The Fantasy Focus Football Podcast is presented by GEICO. Whether you rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and auto insurance. Go to GEICO.com today. Fantasy, you're in the whole 6010. Focus. Fantasy. Fantasy. Focus. Friday in the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast, and we got something new for you today. I'm not talking about preseason recaps. We'll talk about that later. But that handsome face, if you're watching right now on Twitter or YouTube or the ESPN app via the watch tap, then you are seeing to my left, screen right, is none other than Daniel Dopp, the most renowned fantasy expert on the fantasy show on ESPN+. Plus. That is accurate, Fields. That is What's accurate. it like being on this side of the glass? It's, it's, it feels weird. I'm not going to lie to you. I feel a little bit out of my element, but I like it. Mm. Uh, I do feel I unpre- like having you here. Thank you. I do feel unprepared, but I feel like that's just that's the the chair. There is a lot more hair here. Here's the good news, Daniel. If you screw up here, like if you screw up on that side, you forget a drop, you whatever, you do something, you get caught off guard. The repercussions. We we you know Matthew will blast you totally. If you screw up on this side, it's totally expected. Yeah. Like that's part of the gig, the shtick. That's how it works. That is how it works. And also, Field, we have like not just me being on this side of the glass today, but another major announcement. If you love Facebook. Yes. And who doesn't love Facebook? And you want to watch us on Facebook. Yep. The Fantasy Focus Football Podcast is now streamed live on Facebook. Is that correct? Every single day on the ESPN Fantasy Facebook Live page. So some of you spend the majority of your social media time on Facebook. Or your workday. Or your workday if you're a yeah. less than attentive employee. <laughs> Maybe one and the same. That's right. Go check out the ESPN Fantasy. Like that page. And you can watch us every single day on Facebook Live. And can I mention the addendum to that, Daniel? Or sure, you bet you can. After the show today and almost every day, we'll continue with some bonus coverage of fantasy football on the ESPN Fantasy Facebook Live page. Pretty great stuff. And for those of you wondering, by the way, as a footnote, uh, where Matthew Berry is today, as Daniel so aptly noted on the note here, Matthew's hanging out with a bunch of 21-year-olds in Vegas. It's weird, but we let him have it. Rewind. News from the National Football League. This is the Instant Replay. I don't understand why when Kyle presses the buttons, they work for the first time for him, and when I do it, they don't work for me. It's got to be luck. nice. No, no luck involved here. Uh-huh. Kyle is manning the glass with Keith today, filling in for Daniel, who's with us today. So here's what we get. We have myself, Stefania, obviously here. we got a lot to cover. Uh, we're going to do double trouble, and we, it is a perfect day to do the Broncos and specifically the Chargers because we had some news last night regarding the Los Angeles Chargers, but Daniel's going to be hanging out with us today. Very grateful for that. Um, yes, there were four preseason games last night. So we're not going to overreact too, too much, but do check out the Facebook Live following the show on the ESPN Fantasy app, I mean, ESPN Fantasy Facebook page, where you can hear some of our takeaways from one from last night's action. But last night, as I'm sitting there watching Monday Night Countdown, on Thursday night, sort of ironically, <laughs> We heard a couple of pieces of news, and two of them involved the Chargers. So let's do it. Let's head right into Double Trouble. Double Trouble. Double Double Trouble. Trouble. Double Trouble. Double 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 Trouble. As of this moment, they're on double secret probation. 
Sitting there watching Morton Schefter back in their natural habitat on Monday Night Countdown. We got some news involving both Melvin Gordon and also Keenan Allen. But before we get to those two skill players, we begin with Philip Rivers, who leads the Chargers every year. And Vegas has the Chargers with nine and a half wins for their projection. Their win total has increased in each of the past three seasons. Hmm. The last time, or they, they won 12 games last season. That win total continues to increase. We go up to potentially 13 this year. Daniel, you don't do rankings, but we'll pretend that you do for the purposes of this show. I did do rankings for a couple of YouTube videos that Golik Jr. and I did uh, about two weeks ago. And actually, you just got done doing a thing with uh, the Golik and Wingo crew, did you not? That's right. I had the uh, the distinct honor of filling in on Golik and Wingo earlier today. Um, so if you're listening to this Phil's on going Friday... going into his fifth hour of broadcasting right now. No big deal. You know something? Like, I'm wired. <laughs> I'm wired. You know, been up since, I think, 420, but that's okay. Like, a <laughs> couple cups of coffee, and next thing you know, you're feeling like you're refreshed. Plus... I put up with Matthew every day. Like, this actually makes my day easier. This is easy. I this listen, is seriously yeah, I listened easy. to Field on my drive-in while I was getting makeup. Like, Field's smart, smart cookie. How yeah. hot were the takes? Be honest. <laughs> no, like, they, on not, a scale. No, like. no, no. They weren't They weren't that hot. I okay. was listening to all the stealing sign conversation. Oh, that Clint Nace was, was fired yeah, up yeah, about that. Clint yeah, was, was very up. fired up about these stealing uh, signs. I didn't realize there I was... I gotta say, I saw an error on, on, on his side, too. Like, well, it's you part know, of the game, right? Yeah, and figure it out. Be smarter. Add extra signs yeah. as dummy signs. We're now off track. Yep. That's what we do. <laughs> but, you know, that's on brand. Sorry, guys. That's so, my fault. That's my Philip bad. Rivers enters this year still playing at a very high level. Might have a new contract some point soon. It feels weird to have him at quarterback 20, but Philip Rivers is a byproduct. Or it's probably he is impacted by the depth at quarterback. There are so many good quarterbacks this year. My ranking for Philip Rivers is quarterback 20. His ADP is 18th amongst quarterbacks. I wish I had looked this stat up sooner. And I'll ask Kyle, well, maybe not because he's producing today too. But I want to say it has been a long while since Phillip Rivers finishes a top 10 quarterback. I specifically remember Mike Clay mentioning that last year, that it's been a while. He's steady, Daniel. He's spectacular in terms of real football play. But if you're chasing upside, there are simply players that offer more of it than Phillip Rivers. That's sort of where I'm at on Philip Rivers. He's a guy, and I said this in our pre-show meeting, he's a guy that if I want to roster, say, like a Lamar Jackson or a Kyler Murray, someone that that has a wide range of outcomes for what their season could be, especially you with really rushing quarterback. I really yeah. was going to say. Guys, I'm, doing, I'm really doing it. I'm doing really, the thing. That's enough. So I, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could finish his QB1. Uh, Matthew always says it's not. Oh my say, goodness, yeah. what is happening so right now? If I if I were someone that wanted to roster Lamar Jackson or a Kyler Murray, like Philip Rivers is the perfect like bye week fill in, or the guy that like if something goes wrong, at least I have someone that I know is still going to throw for close to four thousand yards, rather than I only draft one of them and then I've got you know a Nick Foles or a. Um, Andy Dalton or, you know, someone like that that I'm picking up off the waiver wire. There is some consistency there. The idea that, like, he's got a good pass catchers. He's on a pretty good offense. So, like, I like that, but he's definitely a, a low-end QB2 for me. If we've learned something, specifically in today's NFL, with so many more quarterbacks that are capable of running, it's that the best avenues to fantasy football success are being able to run the football effectively yep. and also, you know, high volumes of passing touchdowns. Passing yards are not irrelevant, but what we also know is that they are not, I mean, they're just a less efficient, right? I yep. mean, um, as somebody pointed out, and I apologize for not having this offhand who it was last night, but Lamar Jackson had an 18-yard rushing touchdown 
during the preseason game last night that was called back because of a penalty. But the point was this. If that play had stood and it was a real game, that would be a 7.8 point um, play. play for him. Yep. Mm-hmm. 18 yards, six rushing, rushing touchdown for six, 1.8 for the rushing yards. If it were a passing touchdown, it would be what? Four, it was like 4.8, right? So like a yeah. three point swing based off of being a rushing or a passing touchdown. Philip Rivers adds literally zero rushing value, right? I mean, not a big threat in the open field. And nope. as our friend Warren Sharp has pointed out uh, frequently. Oh yeah, the this, quarterback sneak. They don't that, sneak yeah, with yeah. Philip Rivers. Mm-hmm. And they, I don't know don't. why. It's a great stat because Philip Rivers is like the bottom of the barrel compared right. to like Cam Newton who's off the chart in the other direction. So if you're going to like, you know, and I know these are not predictable year over year, but like, Whatever the likelihood of sneaking in for like one or two one yard touchdown runs for a Tom Brady or other quarterbacks that are, you know, Ben Roethlisberger that are mm-hmm. not mobile, those are seemingly gone with Philip Rivers. So you are banking on tons and tons of passing yards and tons of touchdowns. So, uh, let's see. The last time he was top 10 in points per game, Philip Rivers was 2013. So it's been a while since we've seen Philip Rivers that high up the quarterback depth chart. So don't dislike Philip Rivers, but I think we all agree. A player that maybe you're more excited about as a bye week fill-in, like there's just, again, chase the upside. We've yep. been saying that frequently with quarterbacks. Another example of such. The news that we got last night from Melvin Gordon or regarding Melvin Gordon came from Adam Schefter, as always, who noted that uh, Melvin Gordon and the Chargers, they're not close on a contract. It's been a while since they were able to, or since it's been a while since we have felt confident about Melvin Gordon being available for week one. And after hearing Adam Schefter's report last night, you know, they're not close and that this could drag into the regular season. He's prepared to do so. They both would like for him to be there at the beginning of the year, but we also know what Melvin Gordon is seeking, which is a long term deal. The narrative has shifted. If you were doing a draft right now, were you guys were you guys part of the uh Stefan, you part of the ten team mock and you were not. We did a ten team mock draft yesterday. Melvin Gordon, he keeps sliding and sliding and sliding. Where did he go? Because I have a spot in my head that I feel comfortable with Melvin Gordon. I'm curious where he went. I wonder if Keith knows offhand where he went. I don't know, but I'll tell you this. I'll take a look while you guys are talking. Yeah, I would imagine that if I had to guess Somewhere between 25 and 30. That uh, was before yeah, the report. That, that w- yeah, I, w- I would guess that that's probably where he went. All right, so by, so let's, I'm allow each one of you to chime in. Caveats, including the, you know, all things being equal, sure. whatever, different league, scoring, what, et cetera. Speaking generally, at what point are you willing to pull the trigger on Melvin Gordon? You want to start, Sophonia? Because <laughs> you don't have an answer. My answer <laughs> is, is mid to late third. I think is where I would feel so most somewhere comfortable. Somewhere in the range of 25 to 30 is what you're saying. Yeah. I overall think, pick. Overall. Like yeah. I, I think with my first my first and second rounder, I need people that are more risk averse than that. And if I have a third rounder that doesn't pan out, then that's not a problem to me. You know, that I can yep. I, you can still recover from that. But I don't think I would feel comfortable going any earlier than that because we feel I feel far more concerned about Melvin Gordon than I do about Zeke. So here's my thing. I would probably say fourth or fifth round, and I'm not going to get him because probably somebody's going to pick him up there and take that chance. Yep. I sort of feel t- a couple of different ways about Melvin Gordon. One is that I'm not, I'm, I'm still not totally bought into this uh, concept yet that he's prepared to sit out and all that because Melvin Gordon doesn't have other offers. And as long as that keeps happening at some point, it's either that or no money. And that you're also trying to make a case for then for the future. 
after seeing, you know, what happened last year, I just don't think that he's going to completely sit out. So again, if you're drafting this week, you're avoiding it because you have to go with the information that's in front of you. But I still am of the belief that something's going to happen, if not before the start of the season, very close to it. But I start worrying about the things that we talk about with other guys who are out, which is, does the injury risk go up for not having been acclimated to football at all? It's interesting because with Zeke, on the one hand, I don't feel that way because we've seen him do it. You know, he's he's been out, been suspended, come right in, picked up. Melvin Gordon's had a couple of issues with the injury, missed three games last year with the knee, has had knee surgery and a hip issue in the background. You worry about some of these soft tissue injuries when they come back. So those are things in my mind that make him riskier the longer he's out. He will continue to go down. But right now for me, probably like around the fourth round. Okay, so he went 22 in our wow. draft yesterday. That is 22. too early for Now, me. that was before we before had the, the information day. that Adam reported last night. Part of this that I think is important to consider is was the report last night an update of sorts? Was it like, hey, you know, this has, have things changed or was it more of a check in? You know what I mean? Because I don't think based off of what, how Adam presented the information last night that this was some sort of unexpected shift. I think this is sort right. of where it has been. That's how I felt here. So, it. um, if Melvin Gordon's back tomorrow and this, you know, we said it for the 3000th time, this is why we draft, you know, the first week of September if we can or the last week of August. If he's back tomorrow, Melvin Gordon is a top six running back in fantasy, 12 touchdowns in three straight seasons. He's the only running back to score 10 or more in the past three seasons. I think you have to treat this situation in some ways like Le'Veon Bell and James Conner last year. What happened last year was obviously Le'Veon Bell's status was uncertain until the season began because he was telling people, September 1, I'm showing up. Many, many drafts were conducted by September 1 of last year. You had no choice. You had to draft Le'Veon Bell and then pay a premium on James Conner. Yep. Now, it worked out in your favor because James Conner was the man. The problem here, Daniel, is that we don't know who the James Conner to Melvin Gordon is, right? Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, both of those guys ran pretty well last year. So if you're going to, and you're not willing to pay the premium, you're not willing to go above pick 25 to 30, and I'm sort of in the same territory there. I've, I've moved down to running back 12. If you do end up with Melvin Gordon, let's say you grab him at 28. Yep. How soon do you think you're willing to take a second Chargers running back? And in your mind, do you have a clear preference? How soon? So here's the thing. I drafted Le'Veon Bell last year and then mm-hmm. had to take James Conner, and I was terrified every round that I didn't take him that someone was going to snake him from me. Sure. Scott Clark him, if you may. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that I would probably feel comfortable taking a second Chargers running back in the probably in the sixth or seventh round. That was about the neighborhood I expected it. Maybe yes. an aggressive approach would be the fifth round. Feels smart, and I said a thing that he also <laughs> would do, so it makes me feel good about it myself. It seems likely to me that um, you know these would be about where we would see these guys going. You know, I think a sixth round, maybe a fifth round in a more aggressive yeah. league. Um, the problem this year, again, is just like, okay, so I like Austin Eckler. I think he's a good player. Yeah. I think he's an effective player. Um, as, as, as Kyle notes, he gained 10 or more yards on 17.9% of his carries in 2018. That's, that's the most amongst all players that had a certain number, the team, amongst qualified running backs, that was the best. Uh, Justin Jackson had 13 games, in 13 games played last year, had 50 carries for 206 yards. 
it was a split. And I think that it is going to be a split. And as we learned with Ezekiel Elliott a couple of years ago when he had that six-game ban, just because a good offense has a vacancy at running back, it doesn't mean that the fill-ins are going to necessarily, even if it's collectively, come close to replicating the success. Um, Austin Eckler is a fascinating player. If I had to choose one of the two, I'd be choosing Austin Eckler. I would, I would choose Austin Eckler. Um, that be, so there are a lot of numbers and including the one that we just mentioned that tell you, and I know that there are, you know, various people that that can support this is that, you know, Austin Eckler is an efficient, good player. I think sometimes there are running backs who benefit from a small sample size and that it starts to look more and more like a, you know, the, the, it's, it catches your eye in a more favorable light than it actually would be. It's not that I don't like Austin Eckler. I do believe it's pretty reasonable to expect that if Austin Eckler were to handle a 15 to 18 per carry workload, the numbers would paint, a, you know, it would be it would not be as pretty as it is right now with Austin Eckler. That's that's normal to expect. I just think the bottom line is this: it's a work share. It's a work share if Melvin Gordon is not there. By dint of that, it's hard for me to get super enthused about either one of these guys. But I was, if I had to choose one, it's clearly Eckler. In in games without Melvin Gordon in 2018, the reason I would choose Austin Eckler is because he averaged four receptions per game without Melvin Gordon in the lineup. And as a better pass catcher than Justin Jackson, who only averaged just under two receptions a game, I think that pass catching ability is what sort of sets him apart from Justin Jackson for me. I agree. The pass catching ability definitely makes a big difference between he and Justin mm-hmm. Jackson. And maybe what we haven't seen from Justin Jackson is as simple as he's a seventh round pick last year. He was the third in the depth chart. Like, I don't know as much about his, you know, I say any of us may not know yeah. as much about his skill set just because of less exposure. Sure. But Austin Eckler, um, you know, we've seen a bit more of better pass catcher. So if I had to choose one, I feel better about Austin Eckler. And I, I just, I want to manage expectations a little bit, right? Yeah, I think that's part of it is that we, we've talked about these, um, running backs when there's a feature back and the feature back is suddenly not there. And, and more and more teams obviously are going away from the sole feature back. Yep. That it's not usually like next man up. You know, it's not like a receiver position per se. Even I, I think the receivers, it's more defined like that. Who's going to become their primary target? I think running backs, sometimes it's like, okay, we'll divide it amongst who's left. We don't know that Austin Eckler would hold up to that kind of workload. I don't know that they want to test that theory. I think that they are prepared, and based on what we've seen what they're doing in camp, they're prepared to shift that workload around. Well, it'll be really interesting to see, again, obviously the most interesting part is whether or not Melvin Gordon shows up. But for now, to me, again, a clear preference of Austin Eckler. Justin Jackson should be drafted. Eckler, I would view more of a... If Austin Eckler is a starting running back going into the season, I would view him as more of a low-end RB2 yep. as opposed to Melvin Gordon as an elite RB1 if and when he returns. You know, the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast is sponsored by ADT. What does real protection mean for our listeners? You can get all of the latest innovation and in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you. You get 18,000 employees safeguarding you with connection to first responders. You get the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can get a secure smart home with everything from video doorbells, indoor and outdoor cameras, smart locks and lights, all of it controlled from the ADT app 
or the sound of your voice with those dulcet tones, Daniel Dopp. You can get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. You get a system custom designed to fit your home, and you can get safety on the go, in the car or when the kids are at school, with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. School is back. Protect your home with ADT. They help us. You help them. And you can't take care of your family your home. What could be more valuable than that? Other piece of news that came last night from Adam Schefter was that Keenan Allen had ankle surgery recently. It is going to cost him the remaining three preseason games, but there does seem to be hope that he will return in time for the regular season. Stefania, I don't know what you do or don't know about this, but based off of the information you have, what concern do you have about Keenan Allen and not being available when the season begins? Uh, I'm not worried. I, I think that he's going to be ready pretty matter to of go. fact, right? Yeah, there. Yeah, I think he's going to be ready to go when the season starts. And um, it's interesting. There's been a couple of these things where there's been like, oh, there's this uh, something's happened, or there's a procedure, or there's a minor injury, or there's something like this. And I think you're seeing more and more folks say, okay, let's use the preseason, or if something crops up, or sometimes these guys have a little something, and then they get to camp, and it starts to be a little bit of an issue. And it's like, should we address this now or should we try and push through it? And so while the news may come across as alarming, like going to miss the rest of the preseason, sometimes you can actually look at it as, hey, they're addressing this early and taking care of it now. And he doesn't need to practice during the preseason as long as he gets out there at the start of the year. And and so I'm not I'm not particularly worried about it. So as best we can tell, it wasn't as if something happened this it's just this was a decision made by the Chargers to just address it now. Yeah, I mean, like it, I didn't see I a video of him getting rolled up or right. something. And I, I don't know what the specific details are around it, to be honest. Okay. But it's everything that I can gauge from what has been reported suggests to me that it's not a big long term concern. That's good news right there. Now, Daniel, he has shed the tag, I think, of being an injury prone guy because he's been such a rock star for the past two seasons. But in a hypothetical world that you ranked wide receivers, what might this mean for you and Keenan Allen? It doesn't change a whole lot for me with Keenan. If Stefania's not concerned about it and it's just a minor procedure, then I'm feeling comfortable. Is that a Matthew thing to say? I'm sorry. I'm no, it's a, when it's a compliment to Stefania, you can replicate what Matthew okay, says. Right. That's how I feel. I, I'm, yeah. I, in all honesty, I feel like Keenan Allen is, is a top 10 wide receiver for me. He's a guy that... Uh, you know, over the last two seasons, there are only three players with 95 catches and six receiving touchdowns. That's Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, and Keenan Allen. He's the de facto number one. He gets a billion targets a game. Uh, like, there's nothing about this that makes me concerned. If Stefania's not concerned, then I'm drafting him. Even if I'm drafting this weekend, I'm drafting him without concern heading into the season. So, right now, Keenan Allen fits in ADP-wise amongst the likes of Mike Evans and T.Y. Hilton. I've got him at wide receiver 8. His ADP is wide receiver 10. If you are drafting now, because you know as of, as of right now, the Chargers have not, and I don't know if they will or will not address the Keenan Allen situation. I imagine they will. They're usually they're pretty straightforward pretty and pretty upfront on these things. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as we, I've used this term a few times now, but think of these things sort of as tiebreakers now. 
So if I was up in my draft and I, you know back into the second round and I'm looking for a wide receiver and the best available are players like Keenan Allen and Mike Evans and maybe Juju Smith-Schuster, and I view them in a comparable light, easy enough for me to just take one of those two players over Keenan Allen. I think that Keenan Allen offers so much. You know, the, It's obvious what he can do if he's in there for 16 games. He's played 16 games in back-to-back seasons, and over those past two seasons, he's got 95 or more catches and six or more receiving touchdowns. That was Did a I just Matthew. Do a Matthew right that there? was a Matthew. It that was. was a Matthew. Sorry, I realized you said that as I was spewing it back out. But <laughs> my point me. was, I love how it's like, oh my gosh, I've become him. I can't <laughs> believe I just. I uh, know it's uh, as, as I was saying it, I realized you already said. It. Anyways, my point was this: is that he the the class of people that he keeps himself amongst. In terms of wide receivers, is ridiculous. Absolutely. So Keenan Allen, if he's healthy for Week One, and Stefania doesn't have that many fears, yes, then it's uh, then you, you crank him right back up. Yeah. Now, if you are in a draft and you're just a tad worried, if you are trying to err on the side of caution a little bit, maybe move him down a slot or two, or rank other players that you might, you know, you might, if you were feeling a little bit in favor of Keenan Allen versus Mike Evans before this, then flip flop it. Easy enough right there. But you would do right now, I mean, just with those wide receivers he's around, you would take Juju over him, right? If you were drafting today. Juju over Keenan, yeah. You would take Mike Evans over Keenan. Yep. You would take Keenan over T.Y. Hilton with the Andrew Luck news. I would, yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's, that's where I'm that's at, a, It's a draw the line spot there for Keenan Allen, who yep. over his past two seasons has 95 oh, plus catches amazing. and six <laughs> plus receiving touchdowns. In case anybody was wondering. Uh, it's sort of more interesting, though, with the other pass catchers in Los Angeles. Mm. Mike Williams specifically, he had 10 receiving touchdowns last year. He had a moment of stardom against Kansas City on Thursday night. Uh, remember that game, yes. that huge yeah, comeback huge they had game. at Arrowhead. His ADP right now... Whoa! Oh my gosh! Welcome to the other side, Daniel. I well was done, not right ready there. For that, you caught Starfania. I off was looking balance. at my computer screen, and that about sent me to like the cats and the cartoons that go up like with the <laughs> nails on the ceiling. I think that just happened. Well, I think it was worth it. I do too. I'm not gonna lie, I to do you. too. Anywho, uh, Mike Williams last year at a game played in a stadium located in the yeah. state of Missouri <laughs> right. uh, had a moment of brilliance. And his ADP right now is wide receiver 23, which feels a little bit rich for my blood. That's amongst the likes of Tyler Lockett, Chris Godwin, and A.J. Green. I've got him at wide receiver 28. Daniel, are you convinced that the touchdown production last year can be close oh, to replicated? Or, coming. or can his volume spike this year? Because 43 catches last year, that is really not wide receiver 23 type stuff. No, it is not, Field. In case you're wondering, he averaged less than three catches per game last year. So for me, there is the idea that Tyrell Williams is gone. Yep. Is going to open up some opportunities in the passing game. They can't all go to Keenan Allen, but they can be split between him and Hunter Henry, who is returning, which we'll get to a little bit later. I... I am disappointed with what I have. So I drafted, and I was thinking about this after we had this conversation. I drafted Mike Williams in a dynasty league. Okay. In a rookie only draft. I have been really disappointed with Mike Williams the first two years of his career. Oh my goodness. And so for me, when I look at this, like wide receiver 23 is a guy that is almost, they set it and forget it, wide receiver two, right? Like I start him almost every week without concern. Right. Mike Williams is not that kind of a wide receiver for me yet. I need to see it. Great that he had 10 touchdowns. I think that number is going to regress. I think his his yards will go up. I think his catches will go up. 
but I am not in on Mike Williams being a consistent wide receiver two or a starter in my fantasy lineup. He will be a low-end flex play until he proves otherwise for me. Okay, Daniel... And I, we got into this argument before the show started. Luckily for you, Field, you I didn't, wasn't there. you're not going to yeah. have to sit through it a second time. This will only be the first time. Okay. But I just think Daniel's being completely unfair to Mike Williams, who was dealing with a disc problem in his back when he came in for his rookie season. They were talking about surgery and maybe him missing the year. But because he wanted to try and tough it out and be there, he played through it for a good portion of that season, missed some games, came in late, so basically misses all of training camp because of the injury, comes in late, in 10 games, only gets 23 targets. Part of that was because, if you'll recall, when we were at Chargers camp last year, he talked about the fact that he had all that pain down into his hamstring, so mm-hmm. he could never really stride out. He could never really run at 100%. That pain, of course, was related to the sciatic nerve than the issue he was having. He talked about yoga being important to him as a part of that, if I remember correctly. He did. Yeah. And so he recovered. Congratulations. Yep. But so basically he's had, that year shouldn't count. And like I said, only 23 targets in those 10 games. They knew they had him on the field, but he was not functioning really at full strength as a wide receiver. Last year he comes in, he's healthy, all 16 games. We see him play in a physical way. Everybody's like, oh, there's the Mike Williams that they drafted. There's the guy they hope to have. 43 catches, 10 touchdowns. Yes, that was essentially a rookie year for him, to be fair. Now you take away Tyrell Williams, so I definitely think you're going to open up some opportunity for him. Yes, you have a healthy Hunter Henry. That's going to be different than having Antonio Gates out there. But I don't think the volume of what Hunter Henry catches is going to be the same. I think he's a red zone option for Phillip Rivers because they're both big guys there with good hands. But uh, I, I I think... If I look at the, it, you mentioned the tier field with Chris Godwin and AJ Green. Okay, AJ Green, like, he's going to miss a few games, and we're not even sure how healthy his ankle is going to be the rest of the year. So I, Mike Williams goes above him. Chris Godwin just has a hamstring issue that just cropped up for him. Like, I like Chris Godwin's potential, maybe a little more than Mike Williams out of the gate, but I think Mike Williams has, he can rise up and he's going to surprise you, and I think he's going to finish above this ADP position by the end of the year. I you guys could board bet this thing. Could not right disagree now. more. You guys oh, could, let's do it. Could not disagree more. Let's do it. All right, Stefania, I think Mike Williams will not be a top twenty three wide receiver in twenty nineteen. I say Mike Williams will be a top twenty three wide receiver in twenty nineteen. Put, Put it on, on the, the board! board. Put it on the board. Well done right there. Yeah, good luck with your two point six catches per game. Yeah, I'm on Daniel's side for the record. Okay, Matthew. Field, I used to like you until about 30 seconds ago. Somebody that I used to know. It's really, this, like, to wrap this up, it's really hard for me, and Keith and I had this argument in the pre-show meeting. Like, when a team drafts somebody with the seventh overall pick, I think there's an expectation that they're going to come in and be a consistent contributor right uh, immediately. Yeah. That is, you do not take someone with the tenth overall pick, or the seventh overall pick in the top ten, and not have them contribute. I know he tried to as a rookie. I know that he was hurt. But even last year, the idea that he only had 43 catches with like everything that they thought that he should be because when you draft him. crowded and they eli- they helped eliminate you know what? that. Elite wide receivers rise above, Stefania. Oh it's still my a little gosh. crowded there. It's just a little crowded. So I- I'm with Daniel on this one. Only one game with more than five catches for Mike Williams. Um, Hunter Henry. Wait. Way in back there, you two. I just wanted to hear where you sit on this. Cause well, I-, I guess my thought is that. I think it's on the Chargers who took him seventh overall. Was anyone else going to take him seventh overall? You know, with those expectations, you know, like the Giants this year taking Daniel Jones, 
I mean, we wouldn't have taken Daniel Jones sixth overall, or many of us wouldn't have. So is it fair to put those kind of expectations on a player when maybe he should have been drafted 25th? Like, do you view them differently if he's drafted 25th as opposed to 7th? You know what I mean? Things like that. I guess I think Daniel is just kind of, he should know a wide receiver bust as a Lions fan. So I think there's something oh, to be said. Wow. It is getting It's Friday, Friday fire. That's Matthew right. leaves for a day and everybody starts <laughs> hating each other. Who knew he was the glue? <laughs> wow. Nobody. Hunter Henry comes in as a top seven tight end in terms of average draft position. I've got him at tight end five. Players he fits in near to are O.J. Howard and Jared Cook. We had a long conversation over the past, uh, or yesterday's podcast, just about the idea of how tight ends can become fantasy relevant. And Kyle noted that, like, you know, generally speaking, if you're top 10 in terms of targets, you're going to finish top 10 amongst your tight ends. Um, Hunter Henry will not lead the Chargers in targets this year. Um, He might not even be second. He might be third. Um, But Hunter Henry has a chance, I believe, to lead the team in touchdowns this year. That is sort of his bread and butter, is being a red zone weapon. And as we know, Philip Rivers is a red zone fiend. Uh, as uh, Kyle notes, over 40% of Philip Rivers' red zone touchdown passes have gone to tight ends over the past four seasons. That's um, crazy. Now, some of that is the fact that, hey, you you know you have good tight ends. They'll be more effective in the red zone. There aren't that many good tight ends. But they found a way to scheme up looks for Hunter Henry, previously Antonio Gates, who, as of this recording, is not back with the Chargers. And it certainly doesn't feel like this is going to be a reunion Remember, like it was, was last year. Remember, he was retired and then came back when they knew they weren't going to have Hunter Henry. Yep. So I don't I don't see that happening. Where is it that he falls for you? So like, you've got that big three, right? You have the Royal Trio that you talk about. The Royal Trio. Well done, Daniel. And then after that, you've got Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram Hunter Henry, and O.J. Howard is sort of like my next tier right yeah, there. Yeah, and I think the, the thinking here is Evan Ingram will could very well lead the Giants in targets. Yep. Hunter Henry could lead the uh, Chargers in touchdowns this season, which would not surprise any of us this year. Big physical body in the red zone. Daniel, uh, Kyle mentioned some of the the proficiency of Philip Rivers uh, targeting tight ends in the red zone. And then, you know, sort of Jared Cook, O.J. Howard are kind of the blend in between. Yardage could be good. Touchdowns could be solid. Play in excellent passing offenses, like better passing offenses in terms of overall output versus the Giants and Evan Ingram, for example. Yeah. Look, I um I think Hunter Henry is going to be uh, again that nice outlet for Philip Rivers. I don't disagree with you. I'm not sure I'm convinced he leads the team in touchdowns, but remember this is a guy who tore his ACL, but it was so early. It was in spring of last year that he actually got some time on the, the ground playoffs, yeah. in the AFC Championship game. I think it's worth noting that uh he was out there um only targeted once for 19 the 19 snaps he was out there and no catches but when you're talking about the mindset of a guy coming back from an ACL reconstruction just having that knowledge of like hey I was out on the field I ran around I participated really helped him when he got to training camp this year because he already knows that he's been in a game situation so from a confidence level I loved it he looked really good in camp people when I was down there remember they were practicing with the Rams when I was in LA they were very pleased with how he was just floating right back into the uh to the offense there. High hopes for Hunter Henry. Let's take a quick break and then discuss the Denver Broncos. Kyle is crushing it so far, doing an excellent job behind the glass. 
not sure how many wins above replacement you're worth, Daniel. I'm not gonna oh, I was going to say Kyle is doing a great job. Keith is just absolutely failing today but he no is deal. cooler than he's ever been today <laughs> uh, the broncos have a vegas win projection of seven they have consecutive seasons under seven wins for the first time since 1971 to the denver broncos you know what they're doing today uh winning playing against the or practicing with my 49ers oh practicing against oh, the 49ers excellent news right there Monday Philip night Lindsay. football on our network that's right I am a company Can't woman wait uh, uh, Kyle uh, oh gosh oh, oh no <laughs> uh, we got da 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 and da da dum look the same to me oh. Ooh, what's the is there a difference between them yeah dun 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 but they're the same it. color like we gotta color code these things stop we'll they are together. color coded I am color blind and they make sense to my eyes they're red to my eyes they make right that's okay we got there alright so Kyle's got the board under control we'll try to take care of the Broncos stuff Philip Lindsay is the first player to talk about because we are bypassing the quarterbacks all due respect to you, Joe Flacco, you have great hair, not so good for fantasy football. Philip Lindsay had an amazing season last year. His ADP right now is 25th amongst running backs. I've got him at 24. Comparable to players like James White and also Sonny Michelle, Kenyon Drake, which that will change, obviously, with this injury that he recently suffered. Yep. Stefania, one thing to start with here, though, is that he had a pretty gruesome wrist injury last year. Any lingering impacts, or do we expect Philip Lindsay to have that basically be a thing of the past for him now? I don't think it's going to be uh, have an effect going into the season. I was a little bit concerned because they were still protecting it so much. Right. Uh, you know, the surgery is back in December. But again, the luxury of having, for this type of injury, of having at least six months before he was really involved in any kind of contact um, and ramping him up, I don't, I don't think it's going to be an issue during the season. That's good news right there. One of my favorite pieces of the off season was an E60 special on Philip oh, Lindsay, who actually moved back in, in with his, his parents <laughs> last year. Really cool. Seems Such like a, great a humble piece. guy. Yep. Now there are some there's some obvious excellent stats that work in Philip Lindsay's favor last year. He gained five or more yards on 41.7 percent of his carries last year. Ten or more yards on 15.6 percent of his carries. Both fourth highest amongst qualified running backs. I know Mike Clay I'm has been... Just gonna, you know what he was, would say? Because I'm going to guess that you were going to say the same thing. What, he aggression? would talk about his yards after the contact. Right. So, Mike Clay is always like, he was not good. And I think the stat here is he ranked 41st among qualified running backs in yards after first contact. Well, I, He's I a swear. Right there. Nice job, Kyle. But you know, I thought that Mike has done a nice job of articulating how, in essence, Philip Lindsay doesn't necessarily, didn't necessarily create a bunch of extra yards last year, which is highlighted by the stat that Stefania just noted. Um, I'm not saying the NFL got it right in letting him go undrafted because clearly he should have been drafted. You don't have a thousand rushing yards as a rookie and, and, and you're not your typical undrafted free agent. But some of the concerns I think about Philip Lindsay were, Smaller in stature, is he going to be able to get a bunch of extra tough yardage as a result of it? But Daniel, that being said, you still convinced that A, he is the clear-cut starter in Denver, and B, that he can be what would amount to essentially a flex in your lineup each week, given where he is drafted right now. Yeah, I think he. I would be comfortable having him as my flex. Um, I, I think he is the guy uh, for, for whatever reason. We had talked about, obviously, the addition of Theo Riddick, and initially I was worried about passes being taken away from Philip Lindsay's game. 
uh, with Theoretic being hurt and out for a number of weeks to find how many? Six, is it? six to, to eight, eight is yeah. the ex- expectation. So it doesn't do as much for me right now, but I, I, there are concerns for me maybe as the season wear, wears on that like this early production that you may see from Philip Lindsay is going to taper off a little bit as you get towards the fantasy playoffs. It's just trying to look ahead and, and project as much as you can. Theoretic is a great pass catcher. And so he's going to take some targets away from Philip Lindsay when he comes back, but I like him as a, as a, you know, low end, mid to low end flex play for me in my lineups. I think the concern, so I, I'm, I'm with you as well. I think he is a flex consideration. I think there are other players that are being drafted around him that have more touchdown upside. We mentioned Sony Michelle, for example. Chris Carson is being drafted in somewhat close neighborhood. Chris Carson should be much higher than And I assume he will by the time we get closer to the end of August with all of the, the justifiable heat he's getting on this podcast and in general. But for Philip Lindsay, the other thing to keep in mind is that Royce Freeman was supposed to be the guy. Remember at this time last year, oh, all yes, of us we were, were touting Royce Freeman. Mm-hmm. He could be the next third round running back to make a major impact after Alvin Kamara and Kareem Hunt had did so, had done so in previous years. Royce Freeman had 14 in 14 games last year had 130 carries for 521 yards. Now, Matthew Barry decided to make Royce Freeman a sleeper during the fantasy marathon, which I thought, I mean, my interpretation of a sleeper is apparently different from a guy that went in the third round last year. That being said, maybe he is being a bit undervalued. His ADP right now is running back 35, which is around the likes of LaShawn McCoy and Jordan Howard. We talked about how uh, Philip Lindsay was benefiting, I mean, not benefiting, but had led the NFL in yards before first contact last year. You know where I'm going with this, Dan. I know where you're going with this. It's the polar opposite of Royce Freeman. I like this even further. Yep. So the, the idea stat to back it up. Royce Freeman was 41st in yards per carry before first contact. So the idea of being able to make somebody miss or be able to have a little bit of shiftiness in the backfield, which obviously Philip Lindsay has, is just not a part of Royce Freeman's game. Well, I think there so there are two sides of it. Is that um, yes, I think that is fair to note the lack of I would say wiggle and the lack of agility versus Philip Lindsay. I think also what you'll find is that yards before first contact can be a byproduct of the type of runs too. Philip Lindsay is getting all the toss sweeps and all this stuff in space, right? Royce Freeman's more of the hammerhead. It's much more difficult to create big lanes between the tackles than it is like, sure, you're you're Philip Lindsay and you're running a sweep. Well, like, you know, in the between the tackles, there's five players on your side and there's Probably, you know, six to seven players when you factor in the linebackers on the other side. Like, it's just harder to create space on those type of runs. So I don't think it's totally about, like, I think there's a little bit more to it than just, like, the uh, the agility. That being said, Royce Freeman was really good after contact. So, like, that tells you that he is a more powerful runner, perhaps has a bit more of instincts of how to finish runs than Philip Lindsay. That's a promising sign. So, um, still believe that Lindsay is the guy still think there is some handcuff-ish value to Royce Freeman, if you want to call him a handcuff. Little weary, going to be totally honest with you, this backfield ends up becoming one where there's just not a lot of upside week to week anyways. I think, so. you know, I, I talked with Jeff Legwald, who covers the Broncos for us. This is outstanding. He's been doing it for years. One of the things I was asking him about this concept of division of work with Theo Riddick out because Theo Riddick was basically there for a cup of coffee before the injury happened. So we didn't really get to see how things would shape up. And he said, you know, some of that work will go to Devontae Booker because he's just been consistently so much better in pass protection that you just don't want to assume that Lindsay all of a sudden, you know, ramps up and completely benefits from that. Um, so just a, 
throw that in there. Yeah, I'm just again, I'm just nervous about this. I'm nervous about the workload split. I'm worried about the just the 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 general offense. offense. (laughs) I'm also worried about and I I don't bog myself down too much with these stats often because I think they get you know the NFL changes so much year to year. But I think you know clearly the Chiefs are going to be awesome this year. I think the Chargers are going to be very very good this year. Yep. The Raiders should be improved this year. Yep. If the Broncos find themselves playing from behind with great frequency, that limits the upside of 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 running backs. Certainly of Royce Freeman. Yes. But maybe both running backs, just in the sense that like they may have to throw the ball a ton. So clear number one is Lindsey, Royce Freeman useful, but backs that I, I personally am not making a bunch of substantial investments in. 100%. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, really intriguing player. Talk about a guy that's tough and a guy that's got some bounce back in him. Tore his Achilles last year, Stefania, on December 5th. He's 32 years old. Like this is not a spring chicken. And yet, there are some signs he'll be ready for week one of this season. There are. And, you know, the thing that you hear from athletes coming back from Achilles injuries is really the burst, the explosiveness, the power. Those That's the last thing to come back. And it's the most difficult to get back. And we see in running backs, it seems to be more, it manifests itself more dramatically. Um, but still with receivers, you know, being able to get quick off the line and be able to get up in the air. Some of the leaping ability tends to uh, drop off a bit or at least initially. Sometimes they get it back, but it will take them a full year to get it back. What's interesting about Emmanuel Sanders, we knew that he was going to be limited in the beginning of camp, and they said he really wasn't going to be doing full practices until about this time when the 49ers came in. And uh, Jeff told me again, when I was you know picking his brain on how some of these players look, he said Emmanuel Sanders has really made a difference in the last week. Like he's definitely looked a lot better this this he's had his best week of practice and he said he's even dunked a couple over the goalpost after making catches just to kind of show off and while that might seem insignificant it actually tells me something because a guy who's willingly going up and jump you know getting some air has confidence in that leg and has the ability to do it so uh, I'm a little more intrigued by Emmanuel Sanders than maybe I was a few weeks ago. Okay, so that's good news right there. And Daniel, perhaps, perhaps there's some value here. I've got him at wide receiver 42. The ADP is wide receiver 39. And on the way up, you know, he is ostensibly the number one wide receiver here. Not, no, he's, he's the number one wide receiver here in Denver when healthy. Mm-hmm. And then Stefania suggested he could be healthy sooner rather than later. You know, he's coming off the Achilles. That's something that even if he's back, you know, you still wonder if like being back means the same player he was previously. Passing offense, not great, but Manuel Sanders has thrived with average quarterback play in the past. How bullish are you on Emmanuel Sanders? Is he a steal for you? No. Okay. I'm not as bullish on Emmanuel Sanders. He's a guy that when I see a 32-year-old coming off an Achilles injury with Joe Flacco as his quarterback, yep, doesn't really give me like a ton of hope. Not that he can't potentially be a good NFL wide receiver, that he can't help that team. It's not that he's not going to score points, but where those guys are going, I would rather have, uh, you've got the ADP tier around him, Dante Pettis, Larry Fitzgerald, Corey Davis. I would definitely rather have Dante Pettis than Emmanuel Sanders. I would potentially take the upside of Corey Davis with the hopes that, you know, if I'm looking at those two wide receivers, I think Corey Davis as a younger, more athletic wide receiver doesn't have the injury concern coming off that that ACL injury, I, I would rather have a Corey Davis than Emmanuel Sanders, unless he falls, you know, quite a bit farther to me. I just at that point in the draft where I'm taking somebody, I'd rather have someone with a little bit more upside. He feels like a maybe a good safe floor on an average offense, but he doesn't have a ton of 
he's going to blow the roof off my doors. <laughs> Which would be wow. weird. Be weird to have a roof blown off your door. It but anyways, be. yeah, I think I'm with you guys. I think, you know, he's, he's probably going to have a pretty substantial target share if he's healthy for the full season. The passing offense is hard to assess because it's a new quarterback. Right. It's new offensive coordinator, first time play caller, uh, and Rich Scangarello, who came from the 49ers. A lot of new things in this offense this year. And then beyond that is, not at the cost of Emmanuel Sanders, but the Broncos are working on developing a bunch of young wideouts. So that leads us right into Cortland Sutton and also, I, to a degree, Deshaun Hamilton and also Tim Patrick, who, when Sanders went down last year, these three carried the heavy load. Now, Sutton had was the most significant investment. He was a second-round pick out of SMU. Last year, at this time, Emmanuel Sanders was touting Cortland Sutton in a major way. This year they got in a fight at training camp, but that's all good. They've since cleared the air. Um, it's all good. It's it's all love. I'm right? told that when you fight, it's because you love each other. Well, at least I, that's I, what oh. Daniel says is the reason. That's true. That's accurate. That's right. <laughs> I did appreciate uh, Mike Vrabel's comments yesterday. There was a there was a, a yeah. you know, it was described as a as a brawl or a big fight at training camp between the Titans and the Patriots. Someone asked Brable about this big fight. He said, if that's what you think a big fight is, you have not been in a fight before. <laughs> Let me just tell you, as somebody who's not, I'm trying to think, I've probably known Mike Brable now for 18 years, not the person you want to mess with. That dude is. That was so cool. Was he there when you came out of the delivery room or what? Right. Literally. Yeah, yeah, he okay. actually, yeah, that's right. He's my uncle. Yeah. Uh, no, that, he's, he's the best guy though. In any event, uh, back to these Broncos wide receivers. We reset with Cortland Sutton, the second round pick out of SMU a year ago, who a big play waiting to happen in some ways. 42 catches for 704 yards and four touchdowns. Now, the problem is people expected a ton of Cortland Sutton when Emmanuel Sanders went down. It just wasn't that. It was fine, but it was not amazing. But we thought like, wow, top 20 wide receiver right away. That was not it. So baking in how much improvement you might see out of Cortland Sutton this year. Daniel, is he the clear Broncos young wide receiver that you would want to draft? And how high are you willing to climb to select Cortland Sutton? I don't think he's the clear number two Broncos wide receiver. I think I would like to see more out of Deshaun Hamilton. And and part of this is because last year when Cortland Sutton had that opportunity, he didn't take advantage of it, like you said, the way that I had hoped. It's tough to be able to say, like, just because the number one wide receiver goes down and, oh, now this new kid is going to be the number one role, doesn't mean that he's going to be able to have the the skills, especially in his rookie year, to take on the likes of Jalen Ramsey's or Darius Slay's or guys like that. I mean, that's a that's a tough matchup for anybody. Sure, yeah. So, you know, the idea that Deshaun Hamilton, who I think is also a, a, a great athlete, and I'm excited to see what he can do with some more progression, uh, I... I for me, I would not have a problem taking him as a guy that I have upside with in the back end of my draft, but he's not somebody that I feel super confident of he's going to come in and, and be the Broncos wide receiver that I want to roster. If someone tries to play the narrative up of, hey, Joe Flacco, big arm, Cortland Sutton, big, fast, strong dude, Kyle passes along <laughs> this rebuttal, which just just have this ready during your draft. Over the past two seasons, Joe Flacco has, complete, has completed 35.8% of his deep passes, defined as 20 or more yards in the air. Is that good? That's 34th of 38 qualifiers. That's not good. Over the same past two seasons, Joe Flacco has been intercepted on 7.9% of his deep passes. Is that good? Again, 34th of 38. That's not good. Over that same stretch, he has been off target on 39.4% of his deep passes. That can't be good. You know what the good news is? He's not 34th. He's 35th. That's really not good. Ahead of only Blake Bortles, Deshaun Kaiser, and Tyrod Taylor. So while Cortland Sutton is an excellent athlete and can get down the field, if your quarterback can't place the ball there, it doesn't do you a whole lot of good. 
Deshaun Hamilton is the guy you want to go for if you are looking for a Broncos wide receiver that could pick up volume, but I'm not sure. We had this conversation yesterday about whether a Redskins wide receiver not uh, needed to be drafted. And what I was the point that I was kind of trying to drive home was like, yeah, once you get past, let's say somewhere like somewhere between thirty-five to forty wide receivers, guys in like the forty-one and on, maybe even fifty-one and on, like the guys fifty-one to one fifty. If you told me to make a case to draft a player, I could. Like, could I envision a world where Deshaun Hamilton has seventy catches this year? Sure. Yeah. I could. Yep. Now, could I also envision a world where he has 34 catches? I also could see that, too. So, Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, dart throws, and Noah Fant, really intriguing young player, just to put a pin in the Broncos conversation with him, 20th overall pick in this year's draft. He was the second tight end at Iowa because of Jerry Hawkinson. That's right. Very fast. Incredible athlete. Unbelievable in the open field. The guy can be a menace in the red zone. The only reason, I think there are, here's just a fact, is that we have a fear, collectively in the fantasy football community, of rookie tight ends. TJ Hawkinson is legit the best prospect to tight end over the past 12 years, and no one is really proclaiming him a surefire starter in fantasy football. Why? Because rookie tight ends usually don't make an immediate impact. The signs have been encouraging. They had joint practices with New England, and that was the talk of it. TJ Hawkinson is a, he is just a beast. Yep. I think he's no. the one who has the potential breakout. The The word on Noah Fant, again, uh, from my trusty Jeff Legwald, is that struggling a little bit with the NFL route trees. So I think that the plan is to let him stick to some of the basics once the season gets going. But I would lower, you know, my expectations would be v- that he's not going to make a big impact on your fantasy team. So right Noah now. Fant, not, again, not a player that you need to be drafting. I don't even know. We don't even have his tight end ADP here because I don't even think he's being drafted nah, right now, yeah. Daniel. If I, if I leave a draft, I'm not saying that I am avoiding any of these Broncos, but if I leave a draft and I don't have any of them on my roster, I'm going to be okay with it. Yesterday we decided, at least Matthew and I felt like, at first blush, the <laughs> Dolphins are probably the team that has the best chance to be fantasy irrelevant as a squad. Yep. The Broncos are not going to be fantasy irrelevant, but they're not a team. Like, you know, again, you're not going to have a ton of exposure to the Broncos this year, barring the unsurprising catapult of Joe Flacco, which, you know, I thought it was funny when <laughs> someone basically, I think it was whether whoever it was, John Elway otherwise, basically said, like, you know, I think Joe Flacco's, like, playing the best ball of his career. Something to that effect, yeah. right? Like, he's in his prime. I'm thinking to myself, what player hit his stride at the age of 35? Like what player in it? Yeah, it's a good point. You, <laughs> I did right as I a podcaster. That's yes. right. Um, yeah. You're not 35 yet. Anyways, Joe like, Flacco, the best, like, the, 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 here's what I think of Joe Flacco. Like he's got a big arm. You throw in the Denver thin air. Like there are going to be some bombs. Like it's, there's going to be some entertainment there. But as far as the accuracy stuff, all of that, he's not going to be suddenly more mobile at yeah. the age. Of, like I'm just not buying. Come it. on, I'm not yep. buying. Yeah. It. And no, I'll be okay. Like, again, there are teams that I can live with being wrong on. The Broncos would be one right there. ZipRecruiter could help the Broncos hire, Mind. I don't know, something, whatever the they need. Hey, Drew Lock, Drew Lock. Uh, tell us about ZipRecruiter, though, if you could. I will. Okay. I will field. You know, hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash 06010. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. 
As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. free. At free. this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash 06010. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash 06010. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash 06010. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Very smart. Let's get to Keith for a couple of questions to close it out. A reminder after this, get more questions in on the ESPN Fantasy Facebook Live. Come check Can't it wait out. to do that. What do you got, Keith? Feel free. Feel free. <laughs> Floppy wants to know. I just always want, I always wanted to say that floppy wants to know <laughs> how do you feel about grabbing Chubb and OBJ at the turn? Would you avoid a running back wide receiver from the same team? Nope, nope, no issue. Honestly, like I'm not trying to be contrite or like dismiss the question, but if you're a really good wide receiver, Odell is. If you're a really great running back, Nick Chubb is. Go for it. Let it rip. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with drafting who, players from the same team. How about like Julio and Devontae Freeman? I, sure, that, same. Well, I, not, I'm not asking Daniel this yeah. because he wouldn't take Julio, but. Yeah, but my thing is this, is that, like, it's going to be failing. Like, if Nick Chubb, like, Nick Chubb failing is independent of Odell Beckham Jr. failing and vice versa. Right. If One look, does not equate to the other. If you're looking at offenses that move the football, then I'm not worried about it. If you're looking at an offense where it's like, you know, as much as I love my Detroit Lions, like, taking both Kerryon Johnson and Kenny Galladay makes me, that's, that's a lot. Of Lions to roster at one time. Yeah, if you're a little you nervous about that. You know what I think them. this is yeah. really about? I think this is really about, and you guys can tell me if you think it's different, but I think this is really about people sit there and they struggle with like, I don't want, I want to root for all my players to get the ball all the time. So you have this internal conflict going on when the running back gets a play, but that taken away from your wide receiver, the wide receiver gets a play, it's taken away from your running back. And it's just a feeling, it's a perception, but it's not any more valid than anything else. Draft the best players. Yeah. If you yeah. if do you think Nick Chubb will finish the end of the year as a top fifteen running back? Yeah. Do you think OBJ will be a top ten wide receiver? Yep. Does it make a difference which team they play for? Negative. Does not. See how we see how we laid that out for That's you. It. That was well framed. Yeah. Thanks, Keith. It's like you've done this before. You know, what, that, Daniel, you know something, Daniel? Full time. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew right. Vegas. Wally Pip. I always bet the over. Devin, one more question here. Devin wants to know what is Sammy Watkins' ceiling if he plays all 16 games? I would think probably like a top 20 wide receiver. Um, Tyree Kill, obviously, if he plays all 16 games, and Travis Kelsey, same goes, will be clearly ahead of Sammy Watkins. For Sammy, it's just about seeing the touchdown numbers go up and staying on the field. Um, really talented guy. Like, he's an interesting, like, just sort of like a narrative, like, Definitely not Sam Bradford level of like injuries and all that stuff. Remember, Sam Bradford was one of those guys that I'm just telling you, people were always saying in the NFL, as bad as it was from time to time, if you went and watched Sam Bradford like in practice or back at Oklahoma or even in some moments in the NFL, there were some high points, right? I mean, like he was sure. good before he got traded to Minnesota, et cetera. Actually, in Minnesota, what he set or nearly set the single season completion percentage mark. Sammy Watkins, Sammy Watkins has a lot of nice traits. He's had some brilliant moments, but like never fully putting it it's, together. And it's never been consistent. I really, I really like Sammy Watkins. I really enjoy him. I, I think he's like you said, he's an interesting player, but he's only played 16 games once. He's, and and so the, the law of averages does not suggest that that's going to go up. Is he a guy like Alshon Jeffrey that just has, and there's nothing against Alshon, but just has like bad tissue? Just has, there are some things that like, there always seems to be a problem with Sammy Watkins. I, I think that you could potentially make the case for that. And because it's been such a variety of things, you know, 
the breakdown of the foot. It wasn't like an acute fracture. It was a stress fracture over time, the hip injury. And then all these soft tissue injuries interspersed throughout. And, you know, the guy works very hard and Absolutely. worked hard to come back. And I do think he's an interesting player and feel alluded to it, just sort of the different ways that you can utilize him in an offense. But I think it's a case of where he can be really valuable to the Chiefs as a player, but he might not be that valuable for your fantasy team. Probably top 20, but that would take a lot of things going that in would his ta- Yeah, favor. that would be everything going right. Uh, enjoy all the preseason games this week and lots to get to. We are back on Monday. I don't even know what we're talking about then, but it'll be really electric. I can promise you that. <laughs> we're going to talk about the 49ers-Broncos preseason game coming up oh, that night. That's going to be a Can't <laughs> wait. Barn burner. If you're still with us now on the live stream, check us out on the Facebook page for ESPN Fantasy. We're doing it today. We'll be doing it most days. In the meantime, everybody, find Daniel, Stefania, Kyle, Keith, and myself on social media. We'll talk to Monday. It's no secret, not a mystery. The one that we depend on for all our podcast needs. Graduate, full sell you, Alliance fan through and through. With the hippest beard, I'm telling you. GEICO gets you access to licensed agents 24-7, which means that GEICO is always there for you. If only everyone was always there for you, like your wife when you forget your keys at work. Hey, hon, you get my texts? I am looking for the spare house key. Hmm, maybe I can get through the window. Ah, <laughs> turns out the alarm works. <laughs> wow, <laughs> it, it works fast. <laughs> you, you, you should probably call me back. GEICO, always there for you, with savings and 24-7 access to licensed agents.